Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. Let's turn our attention now toward the text that we heard read during Worship this morning as Jesus preaches what we will come to know as the Sermon on the Plain. During the season of Epiphany, leading up to Lent, and we're getting quite close, the gospel readings in the lectionary are focused on the early ministry of Jesus. That is, from his baptism to the transfiguration. Next Sunday is Transfiguration Sunday, so that's what we'll see next week. What we find in the first half of the Gospels is the healing and teaching ministry of Jesus as he travels throughout Galilee. Today we're going to look at the core of Jesus' kingdom message. We can call it the politics of heaven. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus earliest ministry is characterized by healing and by proclaiming the coming of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is healing the sick, he's casting out demons, and he's announcing that the kingdom of heaven is near. It's at hand. But in the first few chapters, we're not told exactly what Jesus is teaching. We're told that he's teaching, that he's announcing the kingdom of God is at hand, he's healing the sick, and that he's teaching, but we're not told for the first few chapters what he's teaching until we get to the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew, it's chapters 5, 6, and 7, and we're told that what Jesus did was he took his disciples, that is the 12, because he had just recently spent the night in prayer and selected those 12 to be his apostles. He takes them up on a mountain and gives them what we find in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And then he comes down the mountain and again gives it, this is now in Luke, as he comes down the mountain into the plain below, down by the Sea of Galilee, he gives a more succinct version of that same sermon to the multitudes. That's what we find in Luke chapter 6. It's come to be known as the Sermon on the Plain. And with this sermon, Jesus sets forth the politics of heaven. Of course, the word politics makes us nervous, puts us on edge. And for good reason. In the best of times, politics can be contentious and divisive. And we do not live in the best of times. In more troubled times, politics can be toxic and corrupt, dangerous, even deadly. Currently, in the United States and in many other places around the world, the level of Political acrimony and sectarian hate is dangerously high. So the anxiety that can occur when the topic of politics comes up is understandable. We may want to avoid politics altogether. 
we can try. Uh, we can maybe avoid the topic, but we can't avoid the consequences. We live in a political world. We can ignore the political process, but we can't ignore its reality. We live in a political world, the one we can feel and see. It's all a stacked deck. There's no one to check. We just know for sure that it's real. Politics is the organized attempt to attend to the affairs of the polis, the city, the society in which we live. See, here's the thing. We, we have to live together. That's how we are as humans. I mean, we just, we just, you know. I mean, and as civilization advances, we are more and more dependent upon one another. I mean, you know, you're not going to go out there and be a hunter-gatherer. And, you know, live in a deer skin in a cave. That's just, you're not going to do that. You wouldn't know how. And so we have to figure out how as human beings, to live together? That's the question that politics attempts to answer. We have to cooperate, have to live together, have to figure out how to share resources and all of that sort of thing. And politics is the attempt to answer that question. At its best, politics is the good faith attempt to achieve the common good. Equitable beneficence. Yeah, that'll be the campaign slogan for my political party. <laughs> Equitable beneficence. That is, that is, we, we want to, at best, we want to try to move towards equality and goodness for as many as possible. That's politics at its best. At its worst, politics is a means of domination. Enforced inequality. This is, this is the story of Israel in Egypt, which is so foundational to the big, broad, wide, long salvation story. That Joseph ends up in Egypt, originally as a slave and then finally as the viceroy. It's quite a remarkable story at the end of Genesis. That was all part of how to preserve the seed of Abraham, the family of Israel during the famine. They all relocate to Egypt. They're there for 430 years, but pretty quick things go bad for them. And they become the cheap labor for the empire of Egypt. They become the slaves of the omnipotent almighty Pharaoh and they're building his storage cities and they're baking the bricks and you know all that story and life is hard life is miserable I mean they work nonstop, sun up sundown no days off nonstop, and they're groaning under their yoke and God hears their groaning and God says I'm going to deliver them and this is the story of Moses and the exodus and the Red Sea and the journey to the land of promise. Egypt under Pharaoh would be an example of politics at its worst. Benefit a few, oppress many. So there is what I will call the politics of earth, the 
politics of earth. This is humans, though sinful, nevertheless attempting to organize society in a way that at least aspires to justice. Now, it's easy to be cynical. It's, in the, it's easy to be entirely cynical about politics. I get it. But there are noble-minded women and men who really do seek the common good. I know that because my father was one. My father was a politically engaged man, not just being informed, but in leadership roles. At one point, he was the state chairman for the political party to which he belonged. But he was never acrimonious. He never saw it simply as a game to win. He saw it as a means, hopefully, toward the common good. And so he never belittled or was antagonistic or hateful toward those that did not exactly share his political opinions. And then later when he became judge and that removed him from being necessarily political, but now he's a judge and he was always known for fairness and trying to find the proper balance between mercy and justice, which isn't always easy, but he was committed to doing that. So there are noble-minded women and men who really do seek the common good. The politics of earth can never be utopian or perfect. The politics of earth will just oscillate somewhere between better and worse. Sometimes it's better, sometimes it's worse, never perfect. Then there is what I will call the politics of hell. Look out. The politics of hell. The politics of hell is when the principalities and powers are given over to the satanic. By which I mean the politics of hell manifests when it's only and all about power. The common good is no longer the motivation, no longer the pursuit. It's all about attaining and retaining power. And when power becomes the sole object of political pursuit, justice is trampled underfoot. This is the kind of thing that the Hebrew prophets just went on and on and on about. The Hebrew prophets, one of their primary messages was, you kings, you people of influence, you people of position and power, you've got to do justice. You can't just look after your own interest. You've got to attempt to do the good. And so the politics of hell is when that is forgotten and it becomes all about power. When politics is all about power, it becomes the ring of power that corrupts all who control it, turning Smeagol into Gollum. One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness, bind them. So the politics of earth is our flawed and feeble attempt at order and justice. It's never perfect. It oscillates between better or worse. The politics of hell is Satan ruling the world through those corrupted by power. And that brings tremendous suffering to the vast majority that live in that kind of system. But what about the politics of heaven? We've had the politics of earth, a good faith attempt to achieve justice, never perfect, oscillating between better and worse. Politics of hell, when it becomes just all about having power and it brings great suffering as a few dominate the many. What about the politics of heaven? 
Well, first of all, the politics of heaven cannot originate on earth. (laughs) That sounds basic. The politics of heaven cannot begin on earth. Why? Because as the prophet Isaiah says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Heaven is is far above us. And left to ourselves, we will never think like heaven. It will not enter our mind to think as heaven does. We're that far removed from heaven. So the politics of heaven are not going to originate in the mind of Plato or Aristotle or Alexander Hamilton or Thomas Jefferson or whoever is your favorite political theorist. We won't find the politics of heaven in Plato's Republic or the Federalist Papers. If the politics of heaven are to come to earth, someone will have to bring them from heaven to earth for us. And of course, this is Jesus Christ. This is the Son of God come to earth to be with us as one of us. And Jesus' ideas are the mind of God in perfection. Jesus is not getting some vague outline of the thoughts of God or the ideas of God. Jesus is the human manifestation of the thoughts and thinking and will of God. What does Jesus say about his teaching? He says this, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who resolves to do the will of God will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own. We cannot evaluate the teaching of Jesus with cool, objective detachment. We can't sit in our reading chair and read a little bit of Jesus and then read a little bit of Plato and then read a little uh, Aristotle and then read a little Alexander Hamilton, a little Thomas Jefferson and try to decide who is more compelling in their political views. We'll never know if what Jesus says actually comes from heaven by that approach. If we take that approach, we'll just, we'll just never know. The only way to know if what Jesus says is from heaven, and this is risky, this is risky, but the only way you'll know is to take a bold, decisive leap and begin to live it. You can't just sit and think about it. You'll never know. Does this work? Is, is this the way? Is this the way? You'll never know by thinking about it. You have to say, I'm going for it. I'm going to at least attempt to live the way that Jesus calls me to live. And then Jesus, then you'll know whether my teaching is from heaven or whether I just made this stuff up. So what is, what is, what is Jesus teaching? The teaching of the kingdom of heaven, the teaching of the politics of heaven. It makes its first and fullest appearance in the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Plain. I've been meditating in the Sermon on the Plain all week. And I can give a, 
I can give a fair summary of what Jesus calls us to in the Sermon on the Plain that I'm calling the politics of heaven. And I can give the summary in 40 words. Here's what Jesus says. This is what I would call the politics of heaven in 40 words from Jesus. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Turn the other cheek. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Love your enemies. Be merciful as your father is merciful. That's not Plato. That's not Aristotle, not Hamilton, not Jefferson. It's Jesus. Jesus comes down from heaven. He comes down to us. We bounce back and forth at best times between the imperfect, never utopian politics of heaven, too often in the politics of hell, and Jesus brings us something from heaven. And he comes among us and he says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Turn the other cheek. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Love your enemies. Be merciful as your father is merciful. Let's say that together. Join with me. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Turn the other cheek. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Love your enemies. Be merciful as your father is merciful. 40 words. 40 words that come from Jesus. 40 words that are the essence of the politics of heaven. Plato, Aristotle, Hamilton, Jefferson, Marx, Mao could never have said anything like that. Their politics, for good or ill, are the politics of earth or at times the politics of hell. It is the one who comes from heaven who alone can give us the politics of heaven. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Turn the other cheek. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love your enemies. Be merciful as your father is merciful. At the heart of the politics of heaven is love your enemies. Jesus says it twice. To love your enemies is to do good to them, to bless them, to turn away from violence, to treat them as you would want to be treated, to give them not retaliation, but mercy. Love your enemies. The politics of heaven, though, now stick with me. The politics of heaven does not give us a particular politics for earth. My summary is fair and accurate. And here we are, we'll just leave it to this, this nation, a nation of 330 million people that spans a continent. And if I say, okay, here's going to be the laws of the land. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, turn the other cheek, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love your enemies, be merciful as your father is merciful. If that becomes just the law of the land, eh, we need a little more detail. So does that mean I can drive 95 or not? I mean, it may, it may inform things, but it isn't the, 
The politics of heaven does not give us a particular politics for earth. There's just a whole lot that we have to work out. We still have to figure out how to live together politically as best we can. So this means that you, my friends, are free to embrace whatever politics of earth seem best to you, but, and this is a big but, but the politics of heaven must hold precedence over your politics of earth. You just, you just that's the big but. In other words, you can, you can hold to whatever particular political theory, political ideas, you know, you think, well, I think America would be best run like this. Okay, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk you out of that. You can hold on to that, dear sister, dear brother, as long as you love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, turn the other cheek, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, as long as you love your enemies, be merciful as your father is merciful. That's the caveat. That's the thing that holds, pre that's, that's the thing that makes you an actual follower of Jesus. Once you confess Jesus as Lord, this is, how shall I say it? Non-negotiable. <laughs> you can't say, Jesus is Lord, but <laughs> I'm not gonna love my enemy. Well, heck no, who would do that? That's, that's where we'll just we'll try to keep it light here still, but that's when Jesus says things like, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? I think you're not understanding this Lord part. If you allow the politics of earth to push aside your politics of heaven, your politics of earth will become the politics of hell. I'll say that again. If you allow the politics of earth to push aside the politics of heaven, your politics of earth will become the politics of hell. Yes. What it means is you'll bow down to the devil. You'll bow down to the devil. I, I, would, I don't want you to do that. So you can hold on to your politics of earth. You have your opinions. And by, you know, if we took the time, and believe me, I will not do this. But if we did take the time and say, sir, ma'am, tell me your preferred political situation in America, what you would like. Well, we wouldn't agree. Even in this, just this, this room here, we would not agree. Some would agree, some would say, uh, I agree with him, so we'll go, over, we'll go over on the right side of the building. And some would say, well, but I agree with her, it was, we'll go over the left side of the building. What I'm saying to those of you that have lined up on the right or the left, fine, you can line up on the right or the left, as long as you love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, turn the other cheek, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, as long as you love your enemies, and you're merciful as your father is merciful. As long as you do that, then you can hold to your politics of earth. But if you say, nope, nope I, 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 I can't love them because they're them. They're a liberal. 
They're a conservative. They're a Democrat. They're a Republican. I can't love them. Then your politics of earth will degenerate into the politics of hell as you bow to the devil. In our current political climate of divisiveness verging on violence, we must remember this. The degree to which Christians advocate violence as a legitimate means to a political end is the degree to which they have forsaken the way of Jesus and bowed down to the devil. All right, so I took enough time to to craft that sentence and put it up so you could see it. So I'm going to say it again. In our current political climate of divisiveness verging on violence, we must remember this. The degree to which Christians advocate violence as a legitimate means to a political end is the degree to which they have forsaken the way of Jesus and bowed down to the devil. Jesus says, love your enemies. Got enemies? Love them. Do good to those who hate you. People hate you. Do good to them. Bless those that curse you, even online. Bless those that curse you, even online. Turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. Not turn the other cheek. Do unto others as you would have people do to you. Love your enemies. Be merciful. As your father's merciful. Jesus calls us to the way of love, mercy, and kindness, not because it is a superior ethic, though it is, but because it's what God is like. I want you to hear this. Jesus does not call us to the way of love, mercy, and kindness because it is a superior ethic, though it is. But that's not why Jesus calls us to the way of love, mercy, and kindness. He calls us to the way of love, mercy, and kindness because that's what God is like. And Jesus is trying to call us back into our Amajo Day vocation of reflecting the image and glory of God within creation. That's what he says. Listen, Jesus says, love your enemies and you will be children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Kind to the wicked? It's what Jesus says. Again, you will not know whether Jesus' teaching comes from heaven by sitting back dispassionately with cool objectivity, just thinking about it. You have to try to live it or you'll never know. Jesus says, love your enemies and you will be children of the Most High, for he, God, the Father, is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. The Sermon on the Plain towards the end ends with that admonition. Jesus is saying, be merciful as your Father is merciful. Well, it's, it's the parallel, it's the Lucan parallel to what you find in Matthew 6, verse 33. Be, no, Matthew it's not 633, but it's, it's Matthew uh, 6, whatever it is, um, 48. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And I say to you, all right, here's, here's my sermon. Be perfect. And you're like, dang, I don't know. I mean, okay, so let's, let's understand that the perfection is a perfection toward mercy. How many of you can be perfect? All right, then be merciful. (laughs) 
I, I can't be per- I'll be merciful. Because that is the kind of perfection that Jesus is focusing on, that the Father is perfect in mercy and we are to imitate that. So the politics of heaven is not easy to live. No, it's not easy. It's not easy for me. I don't want to present, as I'm saying up here, oh yeah, I just get up in the morning and just like, it's like, it's so easy to love my enemies. Those that hate me, I just, you know, feel kind. No, it's not easy. It's not easy for me. It's not easy for you. But there's grace for it. If in obedience to our Lord, we seek to do what he calls us to do, grace is there and we, day by day, more and more become children of the Most High. But if we give in to the politics of hell, we of course end up progressively more and more children of the devil. So let's ask for the grace to live according to the politics of heaven. I I, I just want to, because I don't want to leave this, I think I've been clear, but I, I want to not be in any way vague you can be a democrat you can be a republican you can be a liberal you can be a conservative you cannot hate you cannot mean be mean you cannot be unkind you can be a kind republican or a kind democrat you can be a kind conservative or a kind liberal you just can't be mean You can't be hateful. You can't be resentful. You can't be retaliatory. You have to be merciful as your Father is merciful. So let's ask Jesus for the grace. How many agree that that's that's how we got to live? That's what we're called to. Let's, let's, Let's pray together. Let's pray together right now and ask Jesus for that, for that grace. And let's let's borrow the words of St. Francis. St. Francis, he was a good dude. And um, he lived at a time of acrimony and political division and all of that. But he found that you could walk the way of love. And from Francis, we get this prayer. Pray with me. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Now stand up with me. We're getting ready now to come to the table of the Lord. We'll confess our faith, confess our sins, receive mercy and forgiveness and come to the table and receive the life of God in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Join with me in confessing our Christian faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, let's together confess that even though we're called to love our enemies and do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you and turn the other cheek, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, love your enemies, be merciful as your Father is merciful, that even though we're called to that, we don't always walk it out. And so we need the forgiveness of the Lord. Pray with me. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, amen. And God is gracious to all who confess their sins and in humility ask for mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come. Because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you.